The MLB draft is about four days away. And it might not just be between Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz. We're going to talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Pirates, brought to you by Sleeper. You are Locked On Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To that Pirates podcast, everybody. My name is Ethan Smith, your host of the Locked On Pirates podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team, your Pittsburgh Pirates, every day when Ethan has internet. Um, <laughs> throw that in there. But we are at a friend's house, so very different uh, backdrop here. But, Craig, it's uh, one of your more fun times of the year, sir. We are four days away from the first-year player draft for Major League Baseball Found out over the offseason that the Pirates would be selecting number one for the second time in three years. Of course, we've been watching a certain number one overall pick play over the last couple of weeks in Henry Davis. There's been a lot of talk about this draft in particular, though, because of the fact that it appears there are two potentially generational talents in this draft in Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz. And then when you talk to Pirates fans... It's pretty much who they want. It's between those two guys. But is that really it, though? I don't know. But we're going to start with Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens. I don't know if there's much that we really need to tell people, Greg, about these two guys, considering it seems like every Pirates fan has become an LSU fan all of a sudden. Uh, (laughs) A very interesting combination there. But you know what you're getting from both of these guys. It just really depends on what Ben Charrington and the front office want to do. Dylan Cruz, on one hand, you're getting a guy who can play defensively in the outfield, has the bat to play. There's been the comparisons to a Freddie Freeman type and a, I mean, any like left-handed hitter right now that you could think of. There's all kinds of comparisons out there for Dylan Cruz. And then you have Paul Skeens, who some people could say could go to a bullpen in three months and be viable out there for a team that drafts him. You look at the teams that are at the top with Pittsburgh and Washington. Washington kind of looks at what Pittsburgh does and says, okay, maybe we get the other guy or maybe we don't. So where are your arguments right now, Craig, on taking either Dylan Cruz or Paul Skeens? Well, Ethan, as anybody who follows the draft or has followed draft for an extended period of time knows that – in the end, a lot of this, you know, comes down to money. Um, mm-hmm. Dylan Cruz reportedly wants near at or above uh, the slot value. So you're looking at, you know, somewhere in the ballpark of, say, 9.4 to upwards of $10 million uh, to sign him. I've seen it out there that Paul Skeens, there was like rumblings that, you know, there could be something that would be an underslot deal still around like, you know, $9 million. I don't know how, you know, you could really make a mistake signing either one of these guys. I just feel that people have, you know, put the stamp on it that if it's Cruz and you want Skeens, it's a failure. If it's 
you know, if it goes the other way, then then the pirates somehow, you know, have made a mistake. And I, you know, just recently people putting it out there, you know, the big thing is, you know, this isn't 2021, you know, in that year, there wasn't a clear, you know, number one pick. And even in this one, even if you have a guy ranked number one, the other two guys in my estimation, that being Paul Skeens and Wyatt Langford are one A and one B behind that. So th- that's where the thing is, is there's, there's not as much of a difference as, as anybody, you know, kind of puts out there. I, if you want Dylan Cruz, you're getting a guy who's probably going to hit for more average, a little bit less power than Langford. And if you think he can stick at center field, obviously that would give the advantage to him. But once again, it's it's all about signability. If if you yeah. can get Paul Skeens at say nine million, save you know, seven hundred thousand dollars, and be able to pull a uh, a higher ranked prospect down the board to forty two, ala you know twenty twenty one with Anthony Solomito, then why wouldn't you try to do that if there's that much if there's not that much of a difference between those picks and like with a Wyatt Langford. I mean, I've seen the Pirates' ability to save as much as one to one point two million dollars uh, to to use throughout the draft. So, I mean, yes, the one one pick is is extremely important. I always say, you know, you don't have to completely hit on this pick. Mm-hmm. but you can't miss on this pick. If you pick one of those three guys, and even if you're in the Max Clark camp, I don't see that as a miss. I see that as something that really doesn't kind of gel uh, within the timeline that you know most people have out there. It's not like Ben Sherrington has ever put a timeline out, but you know most timelines that fans, mm-hmm. bloggers, media members have, it really wouldn't fit into that. But as a guy who is seen as having possibly the best hit tool in this draft class. I don't see how that could be a miss, but with the draft, I mean, you need to get as much talent into the system as humanly possible. Yep. And if you say, give Dylan Cruz, you know, he wants 10 million people are saying, Oh, just give him 10 million. Then you could be losing, I'd say upwards of $1.5 million that could be used throughout the rest of the draft to bring talent into your team. To me, that's a pretty big risk, you know, within itself, especially, Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody's saying, you know, well, there could be an injury with an arm. I mean, look at uh, Minnesota twins. Royce Lewis has had, I believe two Achilles injuries uh, during this time that have kept him, you know, out of, I don't know if it was the Achilles or the ACL. I, I always forget somewhere in the leg, but yeah, he's somewhere, just somewhere, but, he, but he's just now making it to the majors. And he was seen as, as a fairly, you know, can't miss prospect within the system. So baseball is a weird thing. You can't just put your, all your, you know, hopes on one guy. I mean, we saw the angels do that with Mike Trout for a number of years. Another player that I've seen, you know, you know, Dylan Cruz compared to, but then I've also seen Dylan Cruz compared to Grady Sizemore, who wasn't a, a, a terrible player with the Indians, you know, 24.7 war 
uh, throughout his career, but he wasn't that, you know, quote unquote, mm-hmm. we throw out generational talent, but then you see Adley Rushman, you see, you know, Andrew Vaughn, a golden spikes winner. Uh, you see Spencer Torkelson struggling. So I don't know how you call like Dylan Cruz, a quote unquote generational talent when I can throw a stone and hit four guys within the last, you know, 10 to 15 years who have the same skill set. to me, generational talent would basically be like, this is the best guy that you've drafted in the past 30 to 40 years. Mm-hmm. If this guy's Ken Griffey Jr., then okay. Uh, I yeah. mean, I can kind of see that. But this generational talent thing, I, I I just can't really I can't really get behind that when I can when I can name at least three to four guys he's compared to who I've seen play. And, you know, I don't know, man. That to me, that's just something. It's like one of those buzzwords that I could do without. Yeah, and it is a buzzword, definitely. And I also feel like when you're considering generational talent into account go to other sports. You look at generational talents that would be considered. You look at in the NBA, 2003 came along. There was no doubt in anybody's mind that LeBron James was getting drafted to the Cleveland Cavaliers and it had nothing to do with he was from Ohio. He could have been from Alaska and they would have taken him if he was the same exact player that he was. Look at the MLB draft. You look at Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper was a generational guy. When he came out, Steven Strasburg was one of those guys that was considered a generational pitcher and has had a very phenomenal career outside of the fact now that he's very, very, very in the deep end in the injury pool. I will get into my thoughts on this in just a moment, but guys, we have a new sponsor on the show. Lots of new sponsors all the time here on the Locked On Pirates podcast, this one just so happens to be Sleeper. Get up to a $100 match on your first deposit on mobile only at sleeper.com slash promo code locked on because Sleeper is a fantasy sports plus real money gaming app focused on bringing people together through sports and gaming. Sleeper has become the fastest organically growing fantasy platform in the world with over 5 million active users while earning some of the highest levels of engagement per user in the industry. At Sleeper, it's not just about sports. It's about building personal connections and lasting memories. Sleeper Picks is our real money product that connects friends over picks. Choose two to eight of your favorite players from pregame, live, or even across different sports. Pick higher or lower than the predicted stats. Only on Sleeper can you get up to 100 times payouts and you can share them with your friends and get rewarded together. So swing for the fences on sleeper picks, and you can win up to a 100 times your money. Use promo code Locked On, and Sleeper will match your first deposit up to $100 and predict the hottest baseball stats like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and much more to cash in on your daily fantasy baseball skills. Yes, Sleeper is very awesome. I'm going to be getting on there pretty soon. Think you guys are going to enjoy it. And uh, lately, I'm just going to start putting Nick Gonzalez over half a hit. But my thoughts on this. So, on the thumbnail of this show, you're going to see four people. You're going to see Dylan Cruz. You're going to see Paul Skeens. You're going to see Wyatt Lankford. And you're going to see Max Clark. Those are the four guys you're going to see on the thumbnail of this episode once you click it with me and Craig. Walker Jenkins is another guy that not a lot of people talk about that could be in play for this pick. 
Something that I want to throw out to everybody here, though, and Craig, you probably understand this a lot better than me, but it's something that I've been able to figure out as of late with how the MLB draft works. Two agents, Craig, and I'm sure you know this already, two agents for the top six players in this draft, including Rhett Louder, I believe, represent the top six guys on MLB.com's MLB draft rankings. So now, is it weird that all of a sudden we're hearing things about Dylan Cruz wants to go to Washington or Paul Skeens will sign under slot or Wyatt Lankford will sign under slot? Why? Because these guys want their clients to be picked where they're supposed to be picked. Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens are probably the two that they are going to debate on all the way up until the last very second they can to submit the pick. That's just how it's going to be. Wyatt Lankford, as you mentioned, brings a lot more power than Dylan Cruz does. He's a phenomenal player. If it wasn't for Skeens and Dylan Cruz, he'd probably be the consensus number one pick here. Max Clark, again, I agree with you. I don't think Max Clark is the guy for the Pirates at one. Just because being 18 years of age, when's he going to get here? I mean, they drafted Termar Johnson last year, but that's still a full year ahead of a Max Clark. And then Max Clark doesn't get here until he's like 21, 22. You can make the argument that the Pirates window will be almost over by that based off of just historical standards of what happens to these low spending teams. So then you look at Cruz and Skeens and you have them make the decision. Do you want a right-handed outfield bat, which is ironically something the Pirates don't have in their system really at all? I mean, you look at every single outfield, and I know you don't draft for need at 1-1. You don't ever do it. But when you look at your system and all you see is lefties as, as your outfielding options, at some point you're going to want to add a righty in there. Maybe that's the thought process they use if they take Dylan Cruz. But then the thought process that I share with a lot of people is when you look at a guy like Paul Skeens, and I mentioned Rhett Lauder. Rhett Lauder, phenomenal pitcher. Not even close to as good as Paul Skeens is. Paul Skeens is the best pitching prospect we have seen come out in quite a while. I don't think anybody would argue with that. I don't know how far their timeline would go with that, but Paul Skeens is a dude. I mean, you want to just look at his grades already. 80 fastball, 70 slider, 50 changeup, 55 control, 65 overall prospect. The dude's, the dude's legit. And I think one of the things that a lot of Pirates fans are getting smokescreened right now by Craig is you look at the idea that I just said you don't draft for need. But then you hear all the rumblings about Quinn Priester. You hear about Jared Jones. You hear about J.P. Massey, another guy that has been playing very well as of late. You hear about Anthony Solometto. Thomas Harrington's a really good pitcher in the system already as well. But Skeens is arguably better than all of those guys right now. I would make that argument. Like, you could make the viable argument that Skeens is better than Quinn Priester at this current moment in time. And that's without seeing him face anybody at the minor league level. Scouts don't just go around saying that a guy could jump into the bullpen in two months and be perfectly fine. 
I think my thought process on it, Craig, is that Skeens is the kind of or Skeens is the kind of guy the Pirates will never have the opportunity to take again unless they have the number one pick again. And you don't, you, and you know this, they're not going to go out and spend $25 million on a starting pitcher in free agency. They're not going to do that with a bat either. So that's where I'm here to tell a lot of people is that either way that they go, they're getting somebody they'll never have an opportunity to get in winter meetings, in free agency, via trade. So either way that they go is fine. I think, but just rationalize it on both sides is what I would say, rather than saying, oh, if they go cruise instead of skis, it's a mockery. If they go skis instead of cruise, it's bad. It's like either way, the Pirates are in a very good and very bad situation because whatever they do is awesome. But the fact that another player will go to Washington right behind them and also be awesome those two players are going to get compared to each other all the time. I'm t- I mean, Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens and their careers, Craig, are going to get compared constantly, and they don't even play near the same position. Not even close. And, I mean, if you're going to ask me and put me on the spot right now, if somebody was to ask me, who would I, who would I take if I was the general manager of the team, I would take Paul Skeens just because I think you need pitching. And we're seeing that at this very moment with this team. You can never have enough pitching when you're a team like the Pittsburgh Pirates. And I know, again, you don't draft for need. There's going to be good pitchers all through the draft. But none of those guys are Paul Skeens. Yeah, and with Paul Skeens, I mean, one thing that you know came out on the MLB Network that you know, a lot of people probably weren't aware of is that you know everybody sees Paul Skeens in an LSU uniform and don't realize that he played for Air Force for two years, mm-hmm. was a two-way player, doesn't have as many miles on the arm as many pitchers, didn't do the travel circuit. He wasn't like you know these guys that you don't know what happened to their arms while they were you know playing for their travel ball teams. I mean, this is a guy that legitimately this is the first year his arm was used in the way it was used. Does that mean that, you know, he won't ever, you know, need Tommy John or never have an oblique injury or even any type of forearm injury? You know, absolutely not. But like I said, it it also doesn't mean that, you know, Dylan Cruz, just because he's, you know, a great athlete or, you know, Wyatt Langford, who, I think he was a three-sport athlete athlete in high school. He's a linebacker. I mean, the dude's built like a tank. It doesn't mean that those injuries won't ever come about. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, to me, I am on the fence of – it's not even who I want or who they're going to take, but to me it's just like if it's any of the top three guys, Cruz, Skeens, Langford, the three guys, in my opinion, I really can't be mad at, at, at that pick whatsoever. I also want to see how the draft board works out after that. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. I, I really, I, I wouldn't be upset. I mean, everybody that's cruise or bust or skeins or bust. And if they take, you know, Langford over cruise, then they're morons and they're cheap and and all those different other things that come out there. I mean, the people can get their clicks however they want um, during that point in time. But to me, one of those three guys, and even if it's Max Clark and depending on who they would get in the second, third, fourth, fifth round, you know, 
I could be talked into, you know, that's why he's in there. And just with Ben Charrington and the way that he talks, I mean, I didn't know if we were ever going to see a high school player picked and he, he kind of bucked that in the system with Tamar Johnson. Um, to me, Ben Charrington has always been a man who talks about waves. He doesn't talk about windows. So it's the system from top to bottom. It's, it's going to be where these guys fit in. Um, so, I mean, and I do see Cruz, Skeens, and Langford as guys that could be regular contributors in I'm in my ETA of 2025. Mm-hmm. Um, could Skeens come in and play in the bullpen? You know, right now, absolutely. Ben Sherrington has kind of gone on the record and said that, you know, with the number of innings he's pitched, with, you know, the stress he's put on his arm in this year, it would be like almost any other pitcher that the Pirates pick uh, in the draft is that, you know, it's shut down. We'll see you when it's ramp up time and we'll see you in spring training. So, I mean, I, that's not even like a question and the, even, you know, the position the pirates are in, you know, still quote unquote within, you know, striking distance. I don't even think that would change their mind. I mean, for God's sake, I, you can look at back to Steven Strasburg's career when the, when the Nationals shut him down, when they were like, when they were going to be a playoff team. So, and everybody that's saying, you know, I just going back, I don't know all the stuff that's in my head. My head's kind of like a, uh, I would probably equate it to a, uh, to my, my dryer that sits behind this wall here is everything's just kind of flipping around and whatever I pull out, you know, is kind of what's on my mind right now. And Bryce Harper was generational talent. Bryce Harper didn't take the nationals to the world series. He, He wasn't the one that put them over the top. So, I mean, it's it's a team game. It's a system that you want to have as much depth in as possible. Like I said, after the 1-1, one, one, I'm almost as interested to see how the rest of the draft plays out for the Pirates as I am with who they're going to pick 1-1. One, one. And for me, Kruskeens, Langford, any of them, I could almost throw a dart at it at this point in time and say, I'd be happy with any of those guys. Yeah. And then you also look at the last two pirates first overall picks because they've had it twice in the past. Can I do math? 15 years. We remember who the one before Henry Dix was. That was Garrett Cole. I know a lot of people in Pittsburgh don't like Garrett Cole. But (laughs) Garrett Cole was a very good pitcher for this team for quite a while. (laughs) Pitched here for a while. Did it work out in the end? No. He goes to Houston. He wins a World Series. Or did he win a World Series? I don't remember if he won a World Series in Houston. I always forget that one. They got Joe Musgrove out. Joe Musgrove eventually got traded too. Henry Davis, you can't really make an assessment yet. Henry Davis has been really good. He's done good things while up here so far. He's played a secondary position to what he's accustomed to doing, which I think he's actually pretty good out there in right field. But I don't know. Does history play a factor here as well? I mean, you look at like teams that have invested in pitching very early in the draft and the way it's worked out works out pretty well for some of these teams, but then you've also seen teams go after hitters pretty early, like a Jackson holiday who comes to mind, Adley Rushman who comes to mind. 
Henry Davis can come to mind as of right now because I think he's going to be good. So does history for the Pirates play a factor here as well, Craig? I don't think Ben Sherrington looks any further back than, I don't know, this morning when he wakes up and if he's a coffee drinker, has his cup of coffee. And to tell you the truth, I, I think he's more of just forward thinking as to you know, what this can do for the team moving forward, what this can do for depth within the system, what this can do for, you know, I don't know. I, to tell you the truth, I think as soon as the draft's over, he's looking – I mean, he's got a pretty busy thing coming up with the trade deadline as well. So I think that he's he's one of those guys that doesn't have – you know, he doesn't look back too far and he doesn't look forward too far. He kind of just lives in what's going on in the moment and what he can do at that point in time to make the team better. Uh, if that works out, I mean, we'll see if it doesn't, we'll also see, I mean, people can say, you know, this team isn't doing as well as they should be this year, but I mean, with all the injuries and stuff that they've, they've experienced, I could see them doing a heck of a lot worse. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, I kind of like Ben Sherrington's demeanor. I'm not saying he's good at his job. I just kind of like his demeanor in that he's not like, he doesn't really let a whole lot of, of stuff affect his decision-making. He has what he believes and what his team believes. I always call it Ben Sherrington and company, uh, Steve Sanders, uh, just a, a decent amount of you know people in the assistant GM roles uh, and what they can do in the scouting department. Uh, to be able to get this done. And right now you have to rely on yourself, rely on your scouts that, you know, if somebody, if the scouts are saying, Hey, Dylan Cruz is this and white Langford's this, and the distance isn't that far, you better be able to do that. And also, I mean, everybody always forgets about, you know, development to me, that's, you know, almost as, as important, if not more important, you know, than scouting at, at this point in time, because, if you can't develop the players that you scout and that, you know, you believe to be better then I mean, kind of in some ways it doesn't matter who you pick. Um, if you're not going to be able to get them the best out of them and the most out of them, you know, at the highest level. So I, I, I don't know, man, I, I feel like I always say like, I, I can't wait for this to be over, but the discussion never ends. As you said, I mean, we're still talking about, you know, if Henry Davis was a, a good, you know, pick at one, one, if he never moves the catcher, was that like a miss? I talk, like you said, you're going to be comparing Cruz to Langford to Skeens. They're going to be looking at Max Clark. You know, everybody's going to be bringing this up for years to come. Um, to me, I kind of just want to, you know, do what Ben Sherrington does move on to, you know, the, the trade deadline. And after that move on to hopefully O'Neill Cruz coming back and seeing if he, you know, has the mobility to to move back into shortstop or if he's going to be a DH or if he's back at all this season, if he suffers any setbacks, you know, God forbid. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm glad to be talking about this. this is a very exciting time, but I mean, I would just kind of caution people to, you know, kind of where you get your information on this type of stuff. And if you see somebody completely overreacting and, and making, you know, complete black or white statements on stuff, I would, kind of steer clear of them and, and do what Ethan and myself do. I mean, we're giving you information that we found out from, you know, experts within the field, not, you know, somebody with a, you know, random Twitter following. So it's, it's really just 
kind of just, you know, seeing who they pick, seeing how the draft draft plays out, and then, you know, seeing how those guys develop within the system. This is kind of a it's a very fun time of year. It shouldn't be something that is, you know, uber stressful or, you know, mm-hmm. causing half of Pirates Twitter or Discord or threads or whatever is going to be cool, like, you know, in the next month or so uh, to throw that on its end. But I'm pretty sure it will. Yeah. And um, by the way, guys, as I mentioned before, tons of draft coverage coming your way throughout the entire weekend. Tomorrow, I'm going to have Locked On Nationals and Lindsey Crosby of Locked On MLB Prospects on the show. I'm also going to be stepping over to uh, KALB News Channel 5's Mary Margaret Ellison, who covers the LSU Tigers, to have me on and talk about Paul uh, Paul Skeens and Dylan Cruz. Saturday, we're going to cook something up. And then at some point, we're also going to have a nice little video from our host of Locked On Gators on Wyatt Lankford. So lots of fun stuff going on. Obviously, at Inside the Bucks Basement, me and Craig are always writing stuff over there. So please check it out. He'll have minor leagues news and brews. At some, did you already do it today? Um, I'm doing it tomorrow on uh, Friday. That's going to be focusing on surprisingly the the FCL in Bradenton because I already did my draft preview with uh, Joe Doyle last week, so everybody can still check that out. Nice. So that'll all be there for Craig. Obviously, you guys know where to find us on Twitter at MVP underscore Ethan or at Inside the Bucks Basement. Also at Locked On Pirates. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in on Thursday, July 6th. Have a wonderful rest of your day. My name is Ethan Smith. That's Craig Toth, and we'll see you on the flip side.